Hi, I'm Coy Atkins, and thank you for listening to this episode of Crime Nerds. If you follow the Instagram page, then you probably know that today's going to be a little bit of a different episode. But if you don't, no problem, because, well, now you know today's going to be a little bit of a different episode. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so part of that I wanted to do something different for that. The portion of the book that I wrote, One Moment, it is a fictional story, but it does have a portion that is about domestic violence and a character who is escaping an abusive relationship. So instead of bringing you a true crime story, today I'm going to bring you the first two chapters of my book, One Moment. And in order to do something for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, for the month of October, 100% of the profits that I make from book sales will be donated to thehotline.org which is a 24-7 national domestic violence hotline. They provide essential tools and support to help survivors live their life free of abuse. So in the show notes, I'm going to have the link to my book in Amazon, and I'll also have the link to thehotline.org. And if you want to donate without buying a book, you can feel free to do it that way, or if you're someone who needs help, you can contact thehotline.org. And please bear with me through this episode because this is a little bit different than going over a true crime case, you know, reading from different points of views and telling the story. Just please bear with me. Without further ado, here's chapter one. Micah Nolan pulled his Carolina skiff up to the dock. He threw the rope around a wooden pole and tied the boat up. He hopped out onto the dock with Adam following closely behind. It was early March in St. Augustine, and the evening Florida sun was starting to sink into the Matanzas River, causing the top of the water to appear a bright orange. Want to go grab some food and drinks? Micah asked as they walked down the dock toward Micah's house. I've spent the last two days with you. Isabel is going to leave me if I don't spend some time with her, Adam answered. However, he was seriously considering Micah's offer. Micah walked out to his truck. Thanks for coming over and going fishing, man. I won't hold you up from going to see Isabel. You need to get laid anyways. You're starting to get a little grouchy out there. Adam held a hand out and grabbed Micah, then pulled him in for a pat on the back hug. I'm glad you're back home, and I hope it stays like that. A few minutes after Adam left, Micah was back on the dock sitting in an old wooden chair, the same chair that his dad used to sit in on the dock. Micah would sit in his dad's lap with a fishing pole and a lemonade, Sometimes he couldn't believe his luck. How his life turned out, after 10 years in the army, he decided it was time to get out. He returned to his hometown. The timing couldn't have been any better. His parents had recently retired and they just gave the house to him when they moved to Colorado. On top of that, Adam bought the house next door a few years ago. Micah thought back on the day spent with Adam fishing. The most he caught was a sunburn, and he knew he was fortunate to have Adam as a friend, though. They knew each other since high school, and after graduation, Micah spent his first year in college and then went into the army. Adam, on the other hand, finished college, worked several jobs before settling as a car salesman. Micah watched the sky as dark clouds quickly began rolling in on the horizon from the south. Micah closed his eyes and took a deep breath of salt air. He could hear the thunder as the lightning crackled in the distance. He was thankful that he brought the boat in when he did. 
he wasn't a master boat captain by any means, and he definitely didn't want to be out driving on the water in the storm. He felt the first raindrop fall on his face, quickly followed by several more. At that moment, he decided that he didn't need Adam to go with him. He would go down to the oasis by himself and have a burger and a beer or two. A few minutes later, Mike was in his truck backing out the driveway. The dark storm clouds completely consumed the sky. The rain was now pouring from the sky and lightning danced through the clouds. Micah made a right-hand turn on Pope Road, a small two-lane back road that bypassed all the traffic lights. Even though it had been ten years since he was in St. Augustine, Micah still knew most of the shortcuts, and he knew that the tourists tended to stick to the main roads. Micah slowed down as he approached a curve. Just before the curve, he squeezed the steering wheel. He began hitting his brakes, and the car traveling in the opposite direction went around the curve too fast, and it traveled into Micah's lane. Mike had jerked the steering wheel to the right, and at the last moment he felt the car sideswipe his truck. He tried pulling the steering wheel back to the left to get back on the road, but the road was too wet. The steering wheel was jerked out of his hands as the truck began losing control and sliding into the ditch. The truck rolled over twice before coming to a rest upside down against a tree in the bottom of the ditch. Mike had sat in the seat upside down, strapped in by his seatbelt. He was breathing heavy, trying to understand what just happened. He squeezed his eyes shut and opened them again. After a few seconds, he started feeling his head throbbing and pain through his shoulders. He moved his hand to his head. His forehead was wet. Micah looked straight down below him and saw the puddle of blood. He looked around. The other driver wasn't coming to him. No one was. With the storm, no one could probably even see his car from the road. Micah looked around for his cell phone and he saw it below him on the ceiling of the car. He reached out to try and drive it, but he couldn't. He reached back toward the seatbelt, gritted his teeth, and clicked the button, releasing him, causing him to fall on his shoulder. He let out a shriek as the pain shot through his body. He was lying in his own puddle of blood. He reached for his phone, and he was able to grab it with his right hand, a sharp pain shooting down the left side of his body. He felt the blood now dripping down the side of his face. He unlocked his phone and dialed 911. The phone fell out of his hand when he rolled over. He could hear a voice on the other end. When he went to pick up the phone again, he accidentally hung up. And everything was starting to turn blurry. He could barely see the phone screen. He sat the phone down beside him and closed his eyes. Breathe, he told himself. He slowly inhaled and exhaled. He opened his eyes. He still had a sharp pain in his body. And now he was feeling lightheaded. He picked up his phone again and dialed 911. And the second ring... He heard a young female's voice. 911, what's the address of your emergency? The first thing he thought was how soothing her voice sounded. It was soft and comforting, and she sounded like she was a friendly person. Help was all Mike was able to say, though, as he started to close his eyes. So instead of doing a normal ad, I'm going to continue doing things a little bit differently here. One of the great things about starting this podcast is I've gotten to meet people from all over the world. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a few of those people. First, Dominique and Emily Baker. To begin with, congratulations you two on the birth of your son. I'm sure y'all are extremely happy and y'all may also be listening to this at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> congratulations. And I also want to say thank you to y'all for the help for different episodes and different case ideas. 
And then next is T.L. Hannigan, who's an author of two books, The Elevator and Never Talk to Strangers, who has also helped me with different podcast ideas and writing. So I'm also going to have a link in the show notes to her books on Amazon. So check them out as well. Now, back to the show. Sarah pulled her black Toyota Corolla into the parking lot of the sheriff's office. The rain had just started to fall heavier as she opened the door. She stepped out of the car using a copy of People magazine as a makeshift umbrella. She sprinted toward the double glass doors at the front of the communications building. Lightning flashed across the sky behind her as she shut the door. Sarah walked down another hallway that was filled with pictures of retirees. She had been a 911 call taker for the St. John's County Sheriff's Office for two years. She was still undecided on if she wanted to stay long enough to retire with her picture up on the wall or if she wanted to do something different with her life. She walked into another set of double doors that led her to the bullpen. In the middle of the room, there were eight stations for call takers. Each station had six computer screens with various tools from maps, guides to ask caller questions, and even Google. Along the outside of the room were several more desks with six to seven computer screens each. These were the desks for the police and EMS dispatchers. The room was full of noise, as always, from call takers talking on the phone to dispatchers talking to the cops on the radio. Over time, she learned to zone out what she didn't need to hear and focus on one thing at a time. She sat down at a desk to relieve one of the day shift call takers, Christy. Christy was in the middle of taking a call about a man walking down the road in his underwear. Sarah put her headset on just in time to hear the caller, an elderly female, talk about how unhappy she was the police could never catch this man. Apparently he was a serial streaker in the neighborhood. Sarah spoke to Christy for a minute as she packed up her bag and then left. Shortly after Christy walked out the door, Sam walked in. Sam was Sarah's best friend. They started working together at the sheriff's office around the same time and ever since then they've been best friends. They did a stint as roommates where every night was a new adventure for them. That lasted until Sam moved in with her boyfriend Michael. Now they see each other every night at work and their girls night every other weekend. Sam dropped down in the chair next to Sarah and put her headset on. I am not ready for tonight, Sam said as she logged into her computer. A rough day, Sarah asked, citing a cup of coffee over towards Sam. Well, when I got off work this morning, I got home. The AC wasn't working and the new neighbors were doing construction on their back porch all day. She took a breath. So, I didn't get any sleep. Sam then took a sip of the coffee and before passing the cup back to Sarah. Try and take it easy tonight. I'll try and take the majority of the calls, Sarah said genuinely. She knew that if she were in the same situation, Sam would try and help her have an easy night. But just as she was saying that, the tone for the 911 call came in. Sam raced to tap the space bar to answer the call first. 911, what's the address of your emergency? Sam recited as she stuck her tongue out at Sarah. Hello? Sam asked into the speaker. Caller, what's the address of your emergency? Sarah sat next to her watching the screen. They could make out a faint sound in the background that sounded like someone mumbling, and then the line disconnected. Sam redialed the number and it rang several times and then went to a voicemail box that was not set up. Since it came from a cell phone, they didn't have an exact location, just a general area where it was pinging. However, the ping could be within a two-mile area, so that didn't help much either. Sam called the number back. 
Still no answer. The 911 tone came in again. I've got this one, Sarah said as she hit the space bar on her computer. 911 was the address of your emergency. She quickly got Sam's attention when she realized it was the same number that had just called. Help, a faint voice on the other end managed to say. Sir, where are you? On Pope Road, near the 7-Eleven store? Okay, what happened? Sarah began typing in the notes for the address. She knew Pope Road wasn't a very long road. One end had a pizza restaurant and the other was a 7-Eleven gas station. I was in a car crash. I can't feel my body right now and there's blood everywhere. Okay, stay with me, sir. Where's the blood coming from? I think my head. Okay, I have help coming for you, sir. What's your name? It's Micah. Okay, Micah, just keep talking to me. Paramedics and police will be there soon. Alright, I think I'm in a ditch. It's raining really hard. There's... Hopefully they'll see me. Sarah typed in the notes that he was in a ditch. She assured him that they would see him, but she feared the same thing, that with the heavy rain it might be difficult depending on how far off the road he went. Ma'am, can I ask you something? Micah didn't wait for a response. What's your name? It's Sarah. It's a beautiful name. I don't... If I don't make it through this, I'm kind of glad you're the last person I talked to. Sam slid a notepad over to Sarah. That read, Is he flirting with you? Micah, you will be just fine. I'm staying here until help arrives. Sarah pulled up the GPS map. The closest deputy to him was still a few miles away, and the ambulance hadn't even left the firehouse yet. You're right, Sarah. I've been through a lot in my life, and I'm not going to die from some stupid car crash. The tone in his voice sounded more determined now. Good. That's what I like to hear. Was there anyone else involved in the crash? The other car ran me off the road. They were in my lane. I'm not sure if they crashed or kept going. I haven't heard or seen anyone. Are you alone in the car? Well, I'm here with Jesus. Micah couldn't hold back his laugh. Even though his body still hurt, Sarah smiled at the joke, but she tried not to laugh. Sarah, what do you enjoy doing for fun? I think I'm supposed to ask the questions here, Sarah. Couldn't stop smiling. Sorry, I thought I called 911. Didn't realize you are like lawyers and I'm on trial. Not able to ask questions myself. Micah sounded calm, then grimaced at the pain at the end. I like to paddleboard and go to the beach, Sarah said. The smile went away when she heard how much pain he was in, though. Then, after about ten seconds of silence, she heard laughing on the other end of the line. Okay, Sarah, I really am in pain, but I was being a little dramatic there, just to try and make you feel bad for me. Sounded like it worked. I did not feel bad for you. She lied. It's okay, Sarah, I hear the sirens coming. Sarah checked the map to confirm that the first patrol units were going on scene. Sarah, can I tell you one last thing? Again, he didn't wait for her response. You have a very sweet voice. I'm glad I had a chance to speak with you. You kept me calm. I haven't even thought about my pain that much since speaking with you. Sarah blushed a little. I wish you the best in a speedy recovery, Micah. She then disconnected the phone.